When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Friends, thank you for choosing to listen to the happy hour every single week. For some of you, this might be your first episode to listen to. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. While others of you, this might be your 301st episode. Wherever you're coming into the happy hour, I want to say welcome and I'm glad you're here and this is a safe place to be. The happy hour exists to be a podcast that encourages, inspires, and points our hearts to Jesus. We talk about big and little things. We run headfirst into discussing hard topics like adultery, sex trafficking, death, racism, and depression. And we laugh about silly things like the best pair of sandals for the beach, our favorite shoes, or what sparkling water tastes better. I am so privileged and honored to create a podcast that allows for these things, and I'm so happy that you listen, you learn, and you grow with me. Today, my guest is Danielle Koch of Oh Happy Danny over on Instagram. You may have actually seen Danny's art if you've been following along social media in the last month or so. Danny creates beautiful and powerful graphics that both educate and encourage people. Danny is a young black entrepreneur who only recently began her work as an online content creator and manager. She shares with me stories of some personal griefs and hurts from toxic church relations and how God used his word to change her work-based salvation perspective. Danny and I talk about the current events that are happening right now in our nation surrounding racism and specifically how recent events should lead us to do inner work to address bias in all of us. This conversation is really important and I'm so grateful to have met Danny and to listen to her story. One of the things that we can do right now, no matter where you are, what your job is, how long you've been listening is we can pray for our country. We can pray for our own hearts. We can pray for change to happen in our homes and our churches and on our country and on our cities and our legislation. We can do all of those things. One of the things I also want to encourage you to do is to learn, to read and to learn. As a white person, my number one goal is to listen and learn and educate myself. And then If you've been here long enough, I want to talk about hard things and I want to be proactive and I want to advocate for my brothers and sisters with black and brown skin. Last week, if you're on my newsletter list, you received a resource link for books that I think are important to educate ourselves about race, the church and reconciliation. If you missed that on this email, be sure you check out jamieivy.com so you can sign up not to miss it next time. We send out weekly messages about the show, important resources, and on Fridays, I tell you five things that I want to tell you. To see that book list, go to jamieivy.com and check out the latest blog. Okay, friends, here's my conversation with Danielle Koch. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the happy hour. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Jamie. You're so welcome. I'm happy to have you here. I cannot remember how I found you and I found you online, which is what happens in 2020. We find Mm -hmm. people online and then we're like, Oh, 
I like you. So I'm going to follow you and see what you're doing. <laughs> and I have been such a fan since I found your work and have seen what you're doing on social media. And I am so looking forward to this conversation. And I have a small feeling like this is not pre-recorded and literally we've talked for a minute and a half before we started recording. I have a feeling this is going to be a really great conversation for those that are listening. So thanks for coming. And I'm going to call you Danny yeah, because, because I'm in now. We're friends. We're friends. Welcome. You are more than welcome to call me Danny. Danny it is. Okay, Danny, introduce yourself to my listeners. Just give us a little snippet about who you are and what you do. Okay, perfect. So I'm Danny. I am 24. I live in a small town in Georgia and I do graphic design and social media management for a living. And then I also do illustration on the side, which is now becoming not so much of a side thing. Um, but yeah, I'm super passionate about social justice, advocacy, and faith and theology. Like those are really big things that I'm passionate about and I believe in. And God is just taking it and running with it. And I'm so, so grateful. So that's a little bit about me. Well, congratulations on all that you're doing because I love your work. Okay, so is this a new career step for you? Have you stepping out and doing your own thing or have you been doing your own thing since forever? That is a great question. And yes, this is brand new. So like, I went to school for business administration with a concentration in hospitality. Um, okay. So I went to school to be an event planner. And I was just like, yep, that's what I'm gonna do with my whole life. And I got a job at an event planning agency. And I was like, cool, this is not what I'm going to do. For my <laughs> it's just not it. I mean, uh -huh. it's cute. It's fun. But the attention to detail, I just realized I didn't have it in me. My personality type was just not set up that way. But what was cool was I got the job at the agency through a marketing position. So I was doing graphic design and marketing for the events agency. And I was also working the event. So while I was working there, I fell in love with marketing. And I've always played with design. Like when I was little, I would make little business cards and go to my neighbors and say, I can cut your grass for $5. Like, so I've always been that way in my mind. But yeah, so I was working at the agency for a while and I was like, hmm, I'm starting to get some clients on the side. I'm starting to become more passionate about the design thing and less about the event thing. I'm just gonna save a couple paychecks and quit my job. And you did <laughs> and it. Did it? Yeah. Now, so when, did you do this? Okay. So August last year. So you had a mm -hmm. little bit of time before coronavirus hit. Oh, yes. Yes. So I had saved some money and I, and I took the leap and I was like, I'm just going to trust God and see, see how this goes. And, um, I had some clients and some friends giving me work on the side while I was subcontracting for a couple of other agencies in at the same time, I was building my business and I was just like, I'm so excited. I'm not going to tell anybody I'm doing this except my close friends. I'm going to keep it hush hush. And in January, I launched and there was such an incredible amount of support from my friends and family that I was not expecting. So right away, I was able to have clients and work with people I loved. And I just felt so, so fortunate. The virus did cause me to pivot a little bit. But with everybody, everyone had to pivot. Oh, yes. Quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's what we've had to do. Okay. So I want to go way back in your life. You said you're 24. Mm -hmm. And I know that you grew up in a family that loved Jesus. Your parents taught you about the Lord. Yes. Are, are both your parents Jamaican? 
Both my parents are Jamaican. Yes. <laughs> and you grew up in New York. I can just imagine your Jamaican family growing up in New York. What was life like for you as you started to follow Jesus for yourself? Like I, I understand like growing up with your parents, loving Jesus and preaching God's word, but what mm -hmm. about for you? How did that transition happen for you where you started to really follow God for you and not your parents' faith? What did that look like for you? Yeah, that's amazing. So growing up, I went to a lot of different churches and my parents really instilled faith in me from a young age. But as I got older, I found myself in more toxic faith situations in the sense that I was attending churches that had leadership that would be kind of spiritually abusive. And so I had to walk through a lot of hurt and pain and navigating my personal relationship with God. And a lot of the things that I believed about him were not what scripture said about him. So it was about college when I sat on my bed. I remember being in this bedroom. <laughs> I sat on my bed and I said, God, I'm frustrated. I, I just feel like I don't know you for who you are. And I feel like I've believed so many things about you that are not true. I'm going to search scripture. I'm going to open up the Bible. I would not encourage people to read the Bible this way, but I said, I'm going to open up my Bible and I'm going to land on something. And I just pray. <laughs> that you just show me who you are through that. And so I opened up the Bible and I landed in, in the book of Romans. And the verse that I landed in might not have been the exact answer to my question at that moment, but the book of Romans and mm -hmm. sitting and walking through that was so transformative for me because for the first time I was exposed to mercy mm -hmm. and grace and the freedom in that and how the works-based salvation that I had grown up to know was not the essence of true faith and that there's nothing we could do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to change the sacrifice that God made for us through Jesus Christ on the cross. And when I realized that I was instantly free, I felt mm. so free because I was like, all the striving, all the work, I, it's not necessary because of the sacrifice that Jesus paid. So that began a beautiful journey of just navigating scripture for myself and falling in love with what the word has to say and then building up this intense <laughs> desire to help other people know who he is in the fullness of who he is. Mm -hmm. So that's translated in a lot of different ways up until this point, but that's kind of where that stems from. I love that. You know, one thing that I know is true is that there are a lot of people who have been hurt by the church. And the reason that, that I know that is because I hear them and I see them and I know their stories. I also know really well that church leaders are run by humans who mm -hmm. are broken and sinners. But I always am so impressed with someone when I hear a story like yours. And maybe impressed is not the right word, but I'm always intrigued as to why it is that you're hurt push you towards God's word more mm -hmm. and some people they run away from it more. And so, you know, I've heard someone say, you know, being hurt by the church, you can, that doesn't equal being hurt by God. Mm -hmm. And so I guess my question for you in, in that sense is what was it inside of you that caused you to run towards God in that moment and not run away from him in that moment? Because mm -hmm. spiritual abuse, that's a real thing. I mean, that mm -hmm. pain, is deep and and it is hard and it is very easy for someone to then throw that pain on God as being the one who gave them that. So what, what was it for you? Well, I think it goes back to the foundation of it all. Like I said, my parents raised me to love God and to try to seek him out for myself. So that desire was innate and still in me to want to pursue that because through all of this, I know that God is good. Through all of this, I know that Jesus loves me. So is there a way that I can navigate through all of this confusion and muddiness and stand face to face with Jesus and say, here I am. I want to see you for who you are. And I just believed that that was possible. So 
it took a lot of me just putting everything that I had believed for so long to the side Mm -hmm. and saying, I'm going to start from scratch. Christianity 101, I'm unlearning everything I know. And I want to relearn this faith and know Jesus for who he is and who he's portrayed himself to be through his word. So I think, yeah, a lot of it came from the desire to want to know him more simply because I know that he's good. And I've always known that he is good. And I just wanted to know that more for myself. I I know you told me that you've had this kind of newfound love for theology. Is that where this came from? Yes, because the journey that you had to go on of Christianity 101. Absolutely. Yes. And that's a great connection you've made because for so long, I had believed the wrong things. Mm. And so when I started to see what the correct things were, I was like, wait, this is beautiful. I want to know the ins and outs of this. I want to know why I've gotten it wrong for so long and where that comes from. And the Bible is so poetic and it's just mm. justice just flows through it. And I believe if, if I want justice in day-to-day life, that also mirrors the desire I have for God's word to be handled with care. I want God's people to be exposed to justice and what that looks like through faith. And um, the fact that we are justified by faith and how God has taken care of that through Jesus' sacrifice. It's just, it's incredible. It, it's like you're, it is like starting over. Mm-hmm. And um, I just felt God calling me towards him through his word and just calling me closer. And because it's alive and it's living, and it's breathing. It's not just like what I had thought it was a book on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Once you dig in, once you dig into it, it's like, Oh, this is a thing that is changing me. I feel something happening in my heart. I want to, I want more of that. I want to know what that is. And yeah, it just started a, a, a spiral. It was just a long, a journey, a beautiful journey of finding more and learning more about his heart and what he really thinks about me. I love that because you're not alone in that journey. I've heard that story, you know, time and time again of people digging into God's word on their own to find out what he had to say. I mean, one of my favorite things about hosting this podcast is I get to hear people's stories like yours. And I hear stories of women who are saying they discovered Jesus and God through just opening up his word and Mm -hmm. reading the scriptures. And like you just said, it's alive. It changes. It pierces our soul. It is so good. So I think I want to ask, how are you bridging this love with what you do in your work? Because Mm -hmm. I want to know, what does that look like for someone who is, you know, kind of reevaluating what she's always believed? And then you do so much work towards educating people. I don't want to say women, people on just justice issues. So how Mm -hmm. have you bridged that gap for yourself between your soul and your work? My favorite scripture of all time, Luke 10, 27, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, which is what I believed was happening to me. And then love your neighbor in the same scripture, right? So for me, the more I learned to love God, the stronger I felt the need to love other people well. It kind of just happened. And once I realized the relationship between the two, I took that scripture and made it the mantra of my whole life. I was like, this is what I'm living for, to love God and love neighbor as myself. And so I've always been pretty outspoken about social justice issues. I've not been one to hold my tongue. And when I got this iPad for Christmas, it kind of accelerated things because I was able to not only take the things that I say all the time to my friends and my family and anyone who wants to listen, I was able to translate that into something pretty. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible to witness how people who are 
not necessarily always willing to digest the type of information are so much more willing to interact with it when it's pretty. Hmm. It's something that I noticed immediately. So I said, okay, if on Martin Luther King Day, for example, I did an, um, a piece and I was basically saying that Martin Luther King Jr. is not the passive leader that a lot of people have painted him to be over the years, but he was radical. He was a disruptor. He sought for change through civil disobedience. Like this man was not just sitting on his chair in his room playing patty cake, you know? And um, I took that message and I, when I wrote it, I didn't expect people to say, yeah, that's it. I, yeah, I didn't realize that. And the messages started to share. They started to, to travel and, um, I'm still speechless about it to this day because me wanting to take that love that I have for God and translate it also into the love that I want to have for other people. A part of that is also me wanting other people to realize that they are called to do the same. Hmm. So it began to progress, especially when Black History Month came. Um, and I was just like, okay, you, you guys are willing to listen. You're more willing to listen when it's pretty. How can I create more art, more illustration that speaks to these issues to help you love your neighbor well, while also, you know, drawing attention to a lot of the important topics that we discussed today. So I began to just rattle off a whole bunch of different illustrations. And it wasn't until I did the one about seeing in color where um, things changed forever. Like that was the first. What do you mean they changed forever? That was the first graphic that took on a life of its own and just okay. blew away. Yeah, it flew away. And I witnessed hundreds of people, thousands of people sharing it, people messaging me like, I didn't realize I didn't know. And thank you for telling me. Yeah, it's been beautiful. It's been a beautiful journey. And I'm just super excited because it's my heart's cry that people understand that we can do better when it comes to the way we love our neighbor, whether it's through race conversations, whether it's through changing our heart's posture towards these issues, listening speaking up, we all have a part to play. And I'm just grateful that the illustrations have played a part in that as well. Well, they have. And that's what caught my eye about you is your illustrations. So if I'm understanding right, you just started your illustrations on Instagram this year in 2020? Oh, yes. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I did not realize that. Yeah. I, that was the first time I had never, I, not an illustrator. I did not go to graphic design school. Like I'm not an artist in what I would have considered to be uh-huh an artist is i just drew something well i just went to buy a print of yours yesterday and i can't they're all sold out i can't get a print danny they're all sold out i tried to get one for my office <laughs> if you don't know it guys i'm a texas girl through and through i've lived here most of my life i was born here and i love traveling here's why i love traveling throughout texas because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. 
yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. You know, I want to talk, we're going to dive in about social justice stuff here. And we're recording this pretty soon to when it will air. And so it's going to be no surprise to someone if you have been not living under a rock, the things that have been happening in our country that are by no means new at all to what's been happening in our world over the past centuries. But a lot of coverage right now with Ahmad and Brianna and George, and, and mm-hmm. these are names of people who have just recently in the past couple of months been murdered by white police officers. And so how are you doing? Like, how are you doing oh. as a black woman in the midst of what everything's happening in our country right now? How are you doing? I was not expecting you to say that. I was fully in a posture to just be like, yep, let's break down how to be anti-racist. And that question that you just asked just did something to me that I wasn't expecting. I am okay. It's never easy to get on Instagram and see videos circulating of people who look like you being murdered, gunned down in the street. And um, as beautiful as it is that white people are working to join the conversation, it is equally as hard to balance personal grief with wanting to give an answer to everyone's question and also wanting to provide helpful resources to help the conversations continue. It's a hard balance between all of that. And so lately I have really been trying to seek God's face more, but also take better care of myself and put more boundaries in place personally to where I'm not overextending. Hmm. So I am okay. Thank you for asking that. You're okay. Good. You know, I've, I learned that, I guess the hard way, but we can educate now. I, I think there's, it's a beautiful thing to educate ourselves, but I learned that the hard way of expecting my black friends to kind of help me see things uh, from their eyes. Like I remember, you know, when was Trayvon Martin, what, six years ago? You know, I remember thinking like, explain to me, and, and I don't know, you may not know this about me because mm-hmm. we just met, but I'm parenting three children who are black. And so mm-hmm. it is I was just texting with a friend this morning and I, I was texting with Jackie and you said you listened to the episode with Jackie Hill Perry. Yes. Hey, girl, love you, girl. Hey, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm tired. I can only imagine how tired you are. I mean, I, I worry about my kids, you know? And so there's this effect that it does for me. But one thing that you mentioned that I think is important in letting people know is when you said you're having to kind of weigh, how do I handle my personal grief with how do I also educate and share? And I think that, 
for you being 24, it's a very mature thing for you to try to even feel. And on one unfortunate way, it's like you're thrown into it. I mean, you have a presence on social media, you're a black woman. And so now all of a sudden, whereas maybe more than ever, you're having to figure out how to do that. And I don't know, I'm guessing that maybe no one's ever taught you how to do that, you know? And so when you think through your voice, what do you want your voice to be in this conversation? So I see, so it's important for me to say this because I see many Black women in this work and many Black women approach this work differently. I am a firm believer that as a person of color, there is no correct way to do this work. There's only different ways. So there are some who will say, you're racist, you're wrong, change it, figure it out yourself. And they are perfectly fair in wanting to encourage people to figure it out themselves. I personally come from a desire of wanting to be compassionate yet direct. I want everything I say to be coded in love because I am a believer and it's my calling. Um, But also I never want people to mistake my kindness for an excuse for apathy, an excuse to kind of feel as though they can just bombard me with demands. I want to be a person who is an open and loving resource, but I also want to equip people to be able to take what they, what they're given and do it, do the work, do the research, ask the right questions when it's appropriate to do so, but also take personal responsibility for their place in this larger story. So I was thinking through this this morning, often surrounding the conversation of race, we encourage people to pull up a seat to the table, to sit with us and join in the conversation. But what I'm starting to notice more and more, especially in my own life, is that I don't see this as a table discussion anymore. I see this as like a moving train. This is an issue that we've we've been dealing with forever. And so many people are opening their eyes and becoming aware and they're like, I want to get on board. It's like, fantastic. Please get on board. But the train is moving. Mm. And at this moment, we as much as we'd want to help you, we also can't stop. You know what I mean? So I, I would want to encourage everyone. And through my work, I would hope that they see that I'm encouraging you to join into a conversation that's already happening and is not slowing down. Mm. And also you can think of it as school, go to class. If you come late, the teacher is probably not going to start the entire lesson over for you because you came late. You know, she's gonna say, welcome, come in. Glad you're here. Here's where we are. Mm-hmm. Jump on in. You Figure out what you up. missed. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Catch up on what you missed on your own time. But here's where we are right now, and we're we're gonna keep going. So I'm wanting to adopt that mentality and vocalize that a lot more from this point forward. But that's exactly how I view my work and how I want my work to be perceived. Have you had pushback? <laughs> yes. I said earlier about the seeing in color piece and how that changed everything. Another thing that it changed for me was it exposed me to this whole world of people just being ready to tear me apart, like tear me limb from limb. Um, And it's to be expected. And one thing that helps me reconcile that is knowing that anything that we do, especially if we're doing it for the cause of Christ, is not going to be easy to do, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. But also, I take a look at even the graphic that I did about Ahmaud Arbery and about exercising while Black. People were tearing me to shreds in that comment section. But I had to take a step back and say, okay, let's say there's 2,000 comments on this right now. Let's say that all 2,000 are completely negative and people hate me, all of them. 
there are hundreds of thousands of people who have shared this, who have liked it, who have used it to start a conversation with other people. And I have to look at it and remind myself that hate can be loud, but the love and support a lot of times is a lot louder. Mm. And I need to pick and choose what I'm listening to. There's critique, you know, obviously there's constructive feedback, but there's also just hate yeah, and people who don't want to listen and just don't care. And I don't need to internalize that. I hate mean comments. Like <laughs> I, they, I can remember them for months. Mm-hmm. Are you like that? Or do they just kind of roll off you? They roll off. Oh, um, that's good. If you're, if that's good for you. I'm so grateful. Um, do you like the Enneagram? Are you into yeah, it? Yeah, girl. I'm a six. Okay. I'm a seven. Look at with us. Eight wings. Okay. <laughs> I like that eight wing and you got it. Yes. So the seven in me is so, so thankful that um, I'm, I have the ability to let things kind of roll off because mm-hmm. this work is difficult yeah. and hard news comes in all the time. I feel mm-hmm. it because, you know, as a human, I feel it all, yeah. but I'm very grateful for my ability to just kind of let it roll off. And that also includes the negative comments. I read them sometimes. I don't read them all the time, but sometimes I read them. If it's a fair point, I'll be like, huh, fair point. Okay. If it's nonsense, I'll be like, okay, nonsense. <laughs> and I, Please I don't tell me delete. you're blocking people. I do block. I don't delete. Thanks. I do block. If you're on, if you're on my page, literally spewing racist hate, I'm not giving you a platform for that. Okay. And until yesterday, my comments were on followers only because ever since that Ahmaud Arbery graphic to today, I was like, people were being really horrible. So uh, I, I've made comments public again, of course, and I'm welcoming all kinds of dialogue, but not the hateful dialogue. You uh-uh. get blocked. Uh uh-uh. I have a friend, Derek, and he sent out a text to some of us yesterday about some comments in his on his page. And I was just I mean, first of all, there's another conversation about this, Danny, about social media and oh, yeah. just how mm-hmm. so people online behind a computer screen feel like they have the ability to say whatever, however right. they want. And I would bet a lot of money that of those two, let's say there's 2000 hateful comments on one of your posts or mm-hmm. even if there's like a thousand. Yeah. I bet a lot of money, 998 of them would not say that to your face. Exactly. You know? And so there's this a, a whole other conversation about how people feel the that they have the freedom. I guess we do have the freedom, whatever. That's another conversation too. But how you feel like it's okay for mm-hmm. people to say the things they say mm-hmm. behind a computer screen. And it can get me on a tangent because it makes me so frustrated and upset. But I think that's something that we have to remember too as people who put things out online is that there are going to be people who think I can just say whatever I want. Mm-hmm. They would never say that to our faces. Never. It's the same. It's the same fear and cowardice that causes them to say those things in the first place. That's also the reason why they wouldn't say it to your face. Mm. It's all expand it's on all that. Prepared. Expand on that for, I would for say that a lot of people who spew these things, ignorance, of course, but also a sense of a lot of people, you know, you've heard the phrase hit dogs holler. I have never heard that in my entire life. Really? <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> I said it so matter-of-factly, too. I know. Like, you know that phrase? You know, you've never heard before. Is that a well, Georgia a phrase or a Jamaican phrase or a New York phrase? Where is this from? I don't know. Maybe it's a black phrase. I don't know. Okay, say it again. Hit dogs holler. Hit dogs holler. Um, it's basically to say... You're not going to say something about it if it didn't affect you. Like clearly you were bothered mm-hmm. and, it, and it's speaking to you if you are lashing out in this way. Yeah. So I also feel like with that level of ignorance also comes some 
a, a degree of cowardice because like I don't know and like I feel attacked right now and I I'm a little afraid because uh, I I can't recognize it in myself so I'm just gonna lash out I'm just gonna mm. I'm just gonna say the first thing that comes to my mind and just attack this person and yeah it's that same fear that drove them to say that the same thing that I feel lead them to not want to say it to your face because it's not that you they think you're wrong it's that they can't reconcile in their heart that you're right so mm. I. It's funny, I haven't even paid this much attention to it. This conversation we're having right now is the first time I really thought in depth about what motivates people to do that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to think about, and I think anyone that's doing anything online, you have to kind of think about this sometimes. Or maybe it's just me because these things affect me more than they affect some people. But I also think, I mean, there's another conversation is, you know, I see... A lot of my friends right now who are online, black women are saying, I need you white women to say something. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's this fear of saying the wrong thing or Mm -hmm. the attack that you're getting. They're afraid of getting that as well. Is that, you know, I, I, I appreciate you saying that you think there's a lot of different ways to have this conversation. Are you feeling that way? The same way about like, I want to hear from my white sisters about this. Absolutely. 100% yes. I feel like to get to the next big level of change in this conversation of race and racism in America, to get to that next step to where we look back and say, we'll look back 50 years from now and say, we overcame that Mm. specific thing 50 years ago, just like how we look at integration and say the same thing. It's going to require team effort. It's going to require everyone. And I wholeheartedly believe that white women's voices are needed, especially now. When you think of a story like Amy Cooper, we, we, have to, we have to acknowledge the fact that that is not an isolated issue or an isolated incident. It's an incident that was caught on camera. So I would encourage white women, especially when you hear a story like Amy Cooper, who literally was weaponizing the fear that black men have of the police and using it to incite fear in him and who knows, to lead him to some sort of horrific end like what, what causes that inside of us, inside of white women, especially like, what is that in there? Do you see that in you? Is there any type of bias inside of you? Any type of stereotype that you adhere to any type of mindset that's been ingrained that you haven't had a chance to pull apart and say, no, inner work is required, but inner work can be done while you speak out. Mm. And there's a fear as well. Like you said, what if I say the wrong thing? Mm-hmm. You will say the wrong thing. Yep. It's going to happen. I have wonderful white women who are Christian leaders who are actually in my DMs sometimes saying, hey, I wanted to post about this. I think I got it wrong. I wanted to apologize if you saw it. I'm really trying to work through it. And it's like, that's beautiful. Work through it. Do the inner work and keep speaking out. Keep trying. I have a piece of art that I've done. It's called Reading the Signals. And in that art, I give, I illustrate a traffic signal light and I have the red, yellow, and green. And I say, the red light is listen. Listen to what people of color are saying, their collective experiences, their opinions, and just hear them. And I think that's another part of the conversation where a lot of inner work is done in the listening process, right? And then on the yellow light, I say amplify. I say, lift up these experiences that people of color are are talking about. Amplify their voices in the sense that sometimes share what they're saying instead of, you giving voice to every situation. Sometimes rope in a person of color for their opinion 
bring them on a podcast like this to discuss it out of their own mouth, things like that. And then for green, I say speak. When you witness injustice, when you have an opportunity to educate or advocate, lift your voice and speak. So I've given these three traffic light ideas, but one thing that I had to clarify is that I did not list this originally as step one, step two, step three. I didn't say step one, listen, step two, amplify, step two, speak. They're all very important. And when done in that order, very beneficial. But when you think about when you're in traffic, lights change from red to green all the time. So you listen, but sometimes you got to just speak up as well, especially in the face of injustice. You can't always wait on, I had to tell my followers, you can't always wait on a pretty illustration for me before you tell your neighbors, family, and friends that racism is wrong. You know what I mean? So that's something that I've been trying to encourage people to do is yes, listen, yes, amplify whenever possible, but your voice, you have a sphere of influence that I will never have. Yeah. You will reach people that I will never reach and hearing it from you will mean a lot. And that's where real change happens. You know, one thing I'd like to say about what you just said too, just to encourage people as they're listening, you said, you know, there's this idea of looking in and seeing where our prejudices, where our bias and, you know, as someone who's done a lot of work in this space personally, I mean, you know, Tasha Morrison that wrote Be the Bridge. Love her. Yeah. I love her too. And I was, I mean, I am, I'm blessed and honored. I was in her very first group that we did, you know, seven years ago. And so my point in saying that is not to say like, look at me. My point is saying, I'm still looking every day inside and going, where am I biased? Where mm-hmm. are my prejudices? Because I just want to encourage, there's a lot of Christian white women that would say, well, I'm not racist. Like, I'm just right. not, I'm not racist. Right. And I think that's great to say that. But I think that we would be lying if we said there's no bias in us that we haven't learned because we live in America and we've grown up here and there's this country's built on bias and prejudiceness. And so there's this privilege that we inherently have as being white. And there is a lot of work to look in and see a, where is that privilege and B, how am I benefiting from it? And that is hard work to do. And it's important. So everything you said is right on. And I want to encourage women to not be scared of doing the work of looking in and seeing where am I biased? Because you will find something. Mm -hmm. I'll find something tomorrow. I mean, like, it's just, you will find something. And I think it's not just the finding, but it's the, what do you do next with it? Yes. And so I hope that encourages people to, to do that hard work, that it's worth it. And what you said about bias as well, implicit bias, the things that we don't even know are in us is universal. Everybody. Black people also yep. have implicit bias towards black people. Like it's something that we've all, that's been ingrained in all of us and something that we all need to work through. So I also want to encourage everyone in that, in the sense that this is, This inner work is a universal inner work. So good. I love everything that you're doing. And I am blown away because I did not know that all of these amazing illustrations about social justice just started this year with Martin Luther King because you're doing such great work. And it is, you know, you said earlier that it's the same message you've been saying. You're just saying it in beautiful illustrations. (laughs) And I love that you figured out how to have your voice speak really loudly online. And it's through the amazing, beautiful illustrations that you're doing. And God is using that to do such great things. I mean, that the first, I think, well, I don't want to know if it, I don't think it was the first exposure I had to you with the exercising while black. Uh, but it was the one that really caught my eye. And I remember mm-hmm. sending you a message and being like, can I share this? Because I thought I needed to ask. And you're like, well, here's the instructions. Can we talk? This is off subject just a little bit. 
can we talk about an artist putting content online? What is appropriate for people to do when they find things online? Oh, yeah. Educate the peoples. Here we go. I'm climbing on my soapbox. If I wasn't already on, get one, on it right now. Okay. Thank you for wanting to share my work. This is an automated message that I'm sending to everyone who's asking if they can share. Thank you so much for wanting to share my work. I honestly really appreciate it. And I want the message to spread. So thanks. But a couple of things. One, every creator has different requests and guidelines for how they'd like their art to be shared. I cannot give universal guidelines to all art, but you know, we would err on the side of asking first when possible and searching the creator's profiles to see if they have a reposting guideline set. Like you um, do. Mm -hmm. Which I do, yes. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, if you're taking a piece of art and posting it in your feed, the most important thing is that you are not trying to pass this off as your own. So I personally request that people tag me in the photo and tag me in the first line of the caption. I say first line because I know it's hard. We're all out here. We A lot of people want to build platforms and it's great, but you can't take someone else's art and put all of your own ideas in the caption as, as if that was the artist's original ideas towards that because you can twist the intent of the art piece when you do that. So that's why I say first line because you always want to make sure that the person who actually wrote it and created that message is amplified because that's what you're wanting to do, right? When you share someone's right. work, you want to amplify it. So that's where I request tags. I also ask not to put a filter on it. And I got this from another lovely design friend who I um, follow. She believes wholeheartedly that adding a filter on art that's already created takes away from the integrity of the art. That's that like, makes sense, though. I mean, it's like if you bought a an art piece to put in your house by an yeah. artist and then you painted over it. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, we wouldn't walk up to the Mona Lisa and be like, mm, this doesn't fit my feed's aesthetic. I'm going right. <laughs> to like, yeah, I want to do that. Right. And clearly we're not Picasso out here. I hope uh -huh. I painted Mona Lisa. Uh, who knows? Where it's okay. <laughs> if I got that wrong, y'all forgive me. But um, yeah. So, yeah, it all comes back to respecting the original artist's and their wishes for the way that they want their art to be interacted with online because online can be complicated. So complicated. Yes. So complicated. Thank you for asking that. Yes. Well, I, I mean, this is new for me and as someone who creates content and I think that you put a lot of work behind that. And so it is important for people to ask. And I have, am not one to like repost things on my feed. It's just mm -hmm. not what I've always done. And so when I was going to repost that, I thought I've never done this before. Surely yeah. I should ask, you know, you I don't did. know what. Yeah. And I did. <laughs> and it was good to repost. I mean, to ask and repost, you clearly have to be honored with all of the people that are using your art, aren't you? It's unimaginable. I never would have thought this would happen in a, in a million billion years. To this day, I'm still floored every time. I don't know. <laughs> I'm grateful. And the messages are super important and they need to get around. So that first and foremost is what excites me. Well, you should be. Danny, your stuff is beautiful. I'm so thankful for your voice online. I'm thankful for your art. I'm thankful for your integrity with the word. I'm thankful for the passion that you have uh, to educate and to invite people onto this moving train with you. And I, mm -hmm. I love that illustration. I don't think I'm ever going to forget it, that it is moving and it is, you're invited, get on, but we're moving. And so yeah. catch up with- When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. 
The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That. I want to ask you, what are you loving and what are you reading? So currently I am reading So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Oluo. And people, a lot of people ask me, if I want to get started, what book should I read? That is the book you should read. That's what you said. Personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good one. That's, that's what I'd start with. And that's what I'd encourage anyone to start with. I read it because of the way the author so beautifully guides people through the conversation. It's an example to me about how I should also assist in, in guiding and it's not going to be the most comfortable read you've ever read. I'm going to buy it right now when I get done talking to you. So, Oh, yeah. It's not going to be the most comfortable, but it's it breaks things down. Okay. Lovely. So that's what I'm reading. And what am I loving? I'm with my parents right now, and my dad built a gazebo in our backyard because of COVID, and I'm in the house all the time, giving me another space to work. And I am obsessed with it. I'm out there every day when it's oh, not man. raining. It's my favorite thing. So that it's about to be hot in make in Georgia. I, I I said Macon, but I don't know where you live actually. But it's about <laughs> to be hot in Georgia. It's a little hot, but it's been super rainy lately, so I haven't really yeah. been able to be out yeah. there that much. But I'm loving that, and I'm loving DoorDash. I'm not trying to leave my house for a little while, <laughs> right? I'm enjoying getting my food delivered. It is beautiful. God yes. bless these uh-huh. essential workers. That's right. That's right. And you said Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you've seen Onward, that new animated movie. I have it. My kids have. I haven't seen it. I'm not even that emotional, but when it comes to these movies, I'm so emotional. I was crying five <laughs> minutes in. I was like, girl, nothing has even happened yet. It's crazy. Okay. I love what you're loving. I love what you're reading. Um, Danny, for real, thank you for your voice. Thank you for talking with me today. And I'm grateful for you. And mm-hmm. I love following you. Everyone needs to go follow you on Instagram right right now i'll put it in the show notes but i want to say it out loud it is oh happy danny d-a-n-i go follow yes. danny right now yay thank friends. you <laughs> thank you so so much i really appreciate you even having me on here this has been so fun <laughs> today's show was edited and mixed by the team at pod shaper and the music was developed for the show by matt graham show notes are written by quinn pearson and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay sweeney Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a virtual happy hour with a friend. I'll see you next week. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.